Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only color fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to the first serve. It is your home of tennis on a Monday night, day one of the championships. There's only one place I'd love to be, and that's on the other side of the world, but... Not to be, that is the world that we uh, live in uh, right now, but a special hour and a half edition of the First Serve coming your way uh, tonight here on SCN. The lines are always open, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or you can get us on the text tonight, 0433981116. Always uh, plenty of good prizes to give away. Got the First Serve tennis sunscreen, got a copy of the Australian Tennis Magazine to give away, and a whole lot more. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I was just picturing before, you know, you walk down from uh, the Dog and Fox, of anyone that's been across to Wimbledon there at Wimbledon Village, you go along Church Road, the masses of fans, a little left turn into Somerset Road that takes you up to the entry gates to the most iconic tennis tournament in the world. But as I said, such as uh, the times, that's not achievable uh, for uh, your host here tonight. So I'll settle in with uh, all of you for some pretty late nights uh, here in Australia consuming the uh, next two weeks of the 100 and 34th edition of the championships. It was two years ago that I sat on centre court and witnessed an epic final between Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic. Well, just down the road, an epic game of cricket was being played, a World Cup final for the ages between England and New Zealand, a Sunday of incredible sporting theatre in the same city. I don't think we've seen anything like it. What Augusta is to golf, Wimbledon is simply to tennis. And while I and those of you that live in Melbourne who love tennis and are so fortunate to have one of the four majors in our backyard down the road. It is Wimbledon for me that certainly gets the hair standing on the back of the neck. It's an incredible place to be inside. The tennis action played on a surface that we only see for a small amount of weeks each year that we absolutely cherish. Last week, we saw a hard-fought week of qualifying at Roehampton, five kilometres down the road from the All England Lawn Tennis Club, just to earn a spot in the main draw for the next fortnight. On the men's side of the 16 qualifiers, 12 will make their Wimbledon debut including our very own Mark Polmans and Chris O'Connell. Two will play their first ever Grand Slam main draw match. On the women's side, seven of the 16 qualifiers will play in the Wimbledon main draw for the first time, including our very own Ellen Perez. All up, 13 Australians will compete. Ash Barty leading our women's contingent of four. It was back in 1980 that an Australian woman last won the women's singles trophy, the great Yvonne Goolagong-Cawley. Also, this year, the 50th anniversary of her 1971 victory. Nine Australian men will take to the grass courts, led by the inform Alex Dimonor, up to a career-high 15 in the world, with his title win in Eastbourne over the weekend. Novak Djokovic, the men's favourite on the men's side, as he eyes winning all four majors in 2021. The women, well, that is where the conversation is far more complex. Of the last 17 majors since 2017, we have had 13 different winners. As we speak, well, we hope, although there's a bit of rain around London, we're about to go to our man Josh Gablich on the ground because John Millman is going to kick off the Aussies tonight. Add on uh, court number 12. I think the first time I took in court 12 was a young Bernard Tomic uh, in the juniors uh, many, many uh, years ago. But Josh Gablich is our man on the ground in London, like he was at Roland Garros. He's going to be writing a plenty for the thefirstserve.com.au all over our social media and with us tonight. Josh, um, tell me right now, my friend, is it raining or are we going to have some play nice and early? When I woke up this morning, Brad, it was drizzling and it didn't look like clearing. I got out here in the last hour and a half and the rain has cleared. The nets aren't up just yet, but I'm told they'll be up in the next 15 to 20 minutes. So... It looks like we'll have just a tiny delay, but we should get plenty of tennis 
morning or this evening back in Australia. So good news given uh, when I woke up this morning, it looked quite gloomy. Good to hear. Uh, that is good to hear. Although I've looked at the forecast throughout the week, there are a few showers scheduled. And I've got to say, for all of us that are going to have a big fortnight, we love, I personally love that rest day in the middle. This is the last year of the rest day, so let's hope it comes into play because I wouldn't mind one come uh, the weekend, but who knows what's going to happen with the uh, fickle uh, British weather. Just give us a feel of the vibe. Uh, the fans obviously making their way through the gates. Just give us a little feel of what Wimbledon looks like on day one, Josh. They've started to trickle in. I mean, it's not super busy just yet. We've only got a 50% capacity today, and that'll build up across the sort of this weekend and leading into the second week of the tournament where they're hoping to have full 100% capacity for the finals across next weekend. Obviously, the Euros are being played at the moment in London, and they're going to have 40,000 at Wembley tomorrow night for that massive game between Wimbledon and Germany. So they're starting to build up the crowds here. It's, it's a much better position than they thought. Even as recently as two or three weeks ago, and they're hoping for 25%, they've got 50% the first week and potentially more. So it's not a bad feeling at the moment. Obviously, the rain has really contained a bit of the atmosphere so far, but it's, geez, it's such a special place. It's my first time here. You, you explained it perfectly. As you yep. see, it's just sort of into Wimbledon. You go through the village. It's a bit of a pilgrimage. You sort of find all the way through these, these beautiful streets out here. And it's a little bit like the Flemington Racecourse. It's around there in terms of there's a lot of houses and people selling cars parks out the front of their houses it's quite quite funny but it's, uh, it's a special part of the world that's for sure and just everyone's got their fingers crossed that the rain will clear not just today but across this first week because unfortunately the weather's been perfect up until the past two weeks so when, the, when Roland Garros was on it was absolutely perfect in London and on bring towards 30 degrees so if the weather can get on our side this week it'll, it'll make them much better, but it looks like it's clearing at this stage. Good stuff. Thank you, Josh. We're going to get back to you in the next hour. Uh, I'm just getting some pictures coming in now, and um, the Nets are not up on uh, court 12 at the moment for John Millman, so there will be a little bit of a delay to the uh, start of play. Thanks to Josh Gablich. We're going to get back to him uh, throughout the hour. Our man on the ground in the studio, the panel is with me. Great to have uh, leading tennis writer, uh, Courtney Walsh uh, from the Australian. He's also covering footy like uh, like me. We just swing back and forth. Walshie, it's great to see you. And you would like uh, like I love to be at SW19 right now, but that's the world we live in. Yeah, I think you described it exceptionally well uh, before, Brett. Um, very happy for Josh. I spoke to him about 18 months ago before he made the move overseas and he was looking to try and get into some tennis coverage. What an opportunity for him to be there this fortnight. Yep. It's uh, What's the first thing that comes to your mind, Walshie? When you just think of Wimbledon uh, and just you know, an incredible place, isn't it? Steeped in tradition and history. Uh, look, my early memories of uh, watching Pat Cash in 1987 hitting the, for- hitting the forehand volley, I think, uh, against Lendl in that final. Going through to being there you know, a few times now and, uh, and just being in London f- – and getting the train across town, walking down from Southfield, so I come from the other side of yep. uh, of, uh, of the tournament, down past, I suppose, the golf club where everyone's queuing up, thinking how lucky am I that I'm able to walk in and uh, <laughs> see it a few days in a row or, uh, you know, 14 days in a row. I, you know, it's a very fortunate thing to, uh, to have the opportunity to cover it, yep. and it's an amazing event. Yeah, it's uh, it's top billing for me and I'm sure for plenty. Uh, love you to contribute tonight. If you've been to Wimbledon, if you've got a Wimbledon memory, uh, 1-300-736-736. Great to have uh, Peter Johnson in the studio tonight. He's well, needs no introduction to everyone who follows tennis. He's been involved um, as a leading administrator for a number of years, certainly with the WTA, Tennis Australia, and of course now a tournament director with a couple of key events on the ATP Tour and winning lots of hats, looking after Kuyong, which we hope will be back uh, next year, Jono, it's great to have you back. Yeah, thanks, BP. And Walshie, good to see you both. And like you said, I think we'd prefer to be um, having a couple of quiet ones at the Dog and Fox. And um, having and it's funny, I've Is seen a bunch quiet of, at the Dog and Fox. <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen a bunch of um, people over the last few days who normally would make the journey over, and everyone's so down in the mouth about it all, and because we people can't go. But it, look, it is an amazing experience, and certainly one for everyone's, um, you know list of things to do and hopefully next year is uh, the time when whenever we, we all can return. Have you got one a memory or just a, a moment that stands out? I mean, do you know how many Wimbledons off the top of your head you've been to? Uh, probably been Jono? to 35 or so. 35. I think, uh, yeah, I, struggle, <laughs> I struggled as a player. I battled to get out of Roehampton and it, it sort of still bemuses me to see yep. that 
that Qualies has played there and it's such a like you said, BP five Ks away, but it's actually <laughs> it's a, there's a lot that goes on between that five Ks. And you don't really um, feel like you're part of Wimbledon unless you no. Well, that's get it. Into the main draw. It, it's, it's very much the haves and have-nots, yep. and uh, you know I, I got there a couple of times, but I always feel like um, you know I've gone a lot of times lately as the administrator, and I feel a little more. I stay at better hotels as an administrator. I used to stay at Mrs. Hawes' guest house, which you can guess what that was called amongst the. <laughs> The group, but um, you know, then I got to stay in hotels when I was doing some administration. But yeah, look, it's great. It's just a whole sort of um, experience and a real camaraderie with everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it's just great to have it back. Number one, I mean, we, we rewind Walshy twelve months ago, and we, we couldn't believe that it had been cancelled. Just the, the first time since um, you know World War Two, and obviously, I've just been listening to Sally Bolton, the CEO, doing a, a media conference in the last. Uh, half hour and she was asked when she first knew and it was January of last year that Richard Lewis and the team were starting to prepare for what was going to be um, you know not just a little issue in Asia but become a world uh, pandemic they had the insurance which uh, covered them but it's a part of last year that we really missed because it's such a a short condensed grass court season as it is. Far too short for my liking I've got to say Brett but even to have four weeks this time around well that's far better than what we had last year um, just knowing a couple of people that are working there who have worked through last year, working there this year, you know, last year was particularly hard because that fortnight where it's supposed to be going on, the grounds are empty. So to even have people just sort of filtering back through, you know, as we got closer and closer and then in the last week where you've seen activity with players practicing, you know, at Orangi Park nearby and, mm. uh, and, and the grass looking great and seeing the interviews with the, you know, with the, uh, groundsmen and, uh, it's. Uh, I'm very happy for them, happy for the tennis world. Yep, no doubt. Uh, Tom in Seaford wants to talk a bit of tennis with us here on the first serve. Good evening to you, Tom. Oh, g'day, fellas. G'day, Brett. Um, th- thanks for the for the show, Brett. It's a terrific uh, um, program that it's devoted to tennis. Oh, look, I've, the, getting to Wimbledon's eluded me, uh, eluded me. I'd love to get there one day. I think it's a premier event, probably the premier. I think Australia lost up. Sorry, I think Australia lost something when we took it off grass. I really do. I think the last year was 87. Um, it's a great tournament, Australian Open, but the hard courts altered everything. And uh, my, my recollection memory is, you know, Connors, uh, Connors and Borg and McEnroe, 80, 81, and Nukes and the whole lot. It, 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 and when the game was played with the wooden rackets and the volleying, it was just something to behold. But I'm probably getting a bit romantic about the old days. But <laughs> I still think... Uh, it will be a, a sad, sad day if Wimbledon never leaves grass. And I, 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 I wish we could have kept it here, but it wasn't to be. Yeah, look, it, we, I think we said, uh, well, I did have another uh, little uh, intro plan that didn't quite uh, get to air at the start, but we're lucky that we've got one of the Grand Slams still on, on grass. Uh, that, that's the surface, the traditional playing surface, Jono. Yeah, I think the other thing too, Tom, is that Wimbledon has managed to preserve that tradition over the yep. years so well like even type they've made such so many improvements to the facility over the years but they've done it all in keeping with the traditions and they've they've moved it into the new like, like so seamlessly and um look I, you know so that's that's the attraction and uh the tradition is you know obviously the key part of the branding for Wimbledon but uh but ultimately for Australia it was I think there was a lot of reasons why we had to get off the grass and, and actually the proofs in the pudding in terms of what we were able to do that led to Melbourne Park being multi-purpose. It led to 100 of the top 100 playing every year. So, you know, times move on, but we're beautiful that we can enjoy uh, these couple of weeks anyway, watching the, the grass and uh, the real, you know, I guess, foundations of the game. No doubt. Good on you, Tom. Uh, thank you for your call. It's a nice little segue, in fact, because you mentioned the, uh, you know, the old days, the wooden rackets. Let's go back 50 years, 1971. Two Australians starred that day. Uh, apparently, the uh, there wasn't quite twinkle toes on the dance floor, as you'll hear from a little grab we're about to play at the the ball afterwards. But Yvonne Gulligong winning her first Wimbledon 1971, John Newcomb winning in the same year. Uh, both have reflected uh, this week on their triumphs. 
It was the third Wimbledon that I'd won. It was a tough match. Stan Smith, he led two sets to one. And I could tell by the way he was smiling and that, two sets to one, that he thought he had me. I came back pretty strong in the fourth set and managed to then break him halfway through the fifth set. So it might have been the toughest of the three Wimbledons that I won. I did beat Ken very easily in the semi-final. I was playing really good tennis. So Stan did a, a great job to come back against me in the final after I'd won the first set for him to win win the next two. Muscles, uh, he and I had had a five-setter the year before in 1970, which I won in five sets. He doesn't like to talk about that one, but he certainly got a, he got his revenge on me a number of times. I was playing really well. I was on a roll. When it suddenly finished and I'd won, half couldn't believe it a bit. And of course, I was very excited because the first thing that came to my mind really was I achieved my dream. So I achieved that dream. It made that moment even more special for me, I think. Oh, it was my favourite. It was a scallop dress, scalloped around the bottom, had buttons up there, and then it was scalloped around the sleeves. Oh, yes, he's a terrible dancer. You know, typical Aussies, we just give each other sort of a tough time about his dancing or whatever. Yeah, no, he was he was a real character. I played, played mixed doubles with him a few times at Wimbledon and so on, so um, funny, funny. He had me in stitches most of the time. So Nuke and Yvonne reflecting uh, during the week, of course, uh, as you heard there from uh, John Newcomb, uh, beating Stan Smith in the final, of course, Yvonne Goolagong, defeating the top seed Margaret Court 6-4-6-1 in the final 50 quite, years ago. Quite amazing. I remember Yvonne you know, won the French a few weeks before that her first you know, breakthrough, but Margaret had been beaten in the third round of the, at Roland Garros that year. So to then come out and, I suppose, get the, uh, get the champion in the final, it must have been an amazing thrill for her. Yeah, and then you think of uh, of Nuke and that side of it, and when he just had casually threw in there that it was his third Wimbledon, I mean, it's pretty amazing, yeah. actually, Nuke. And um, he's so much part of the Wimbledon furniture. Like, he would always, and he must be missing it like crazy, I would imagine, because he always takes that house. Yep, I went like, to it two years ago, yeah, John. It's sort of a rite of passage, and yeah. he used to host the Wimbledon uh, Aussie barbecue, and I guess when numbers started to... Uh, sort of fall away a little bit. He, he still would ramp it up, and uh, it was it was very much the feature for all the Aussies. It was a gathering sort of halfway through the year, and yep. um, you know at Wimbledon it was just uh, like as he said he had the, he had the three titles, and um, gee, I think uh, what a, what a great ambassador he's been for the sport. Yeah, I think that that house uh, corner of what, Bathgate and is it Wimbledon Park Road where it becomes Church Road. Yeah, like you know, I went there two years ago and I'd requested to have a, a chat to him, and he said, "No, just come to the house." And I actually waited in the lounge room for about half an hour. He was finishing off breakfast, and but came out and gave us forty five minutes. He was brilliant. Yeah, it's incredible that he was able to rent that house every year because he trashed it so many times. And I'm amazed <laughs> that the woman kept fronting up and letting him rent it. But uh, maybe he was slicing a few tickets off here and there for it. So. Fifty years ago, gee, we'd love to be able to replicate some Australian success uh, this year. While she, Ash Bailey, doesn't go in with perhaps the ideal preparation, but she loves grass. She's the world number one. She's a class act. We don't quite know. We don't quite know because the Barty Camp do keep their cards fairly close to their chest as to how exactly she is physically, but she's going to kick off centre court tomorrow, which would have gone to Simona Hallop that honour as the defending champion. No Simona Hallop this year, but she plays... Carla Suarez-Navarro on her farewell tour this year and what her 12 months has been for her overcoming cancer. What are your expectations of Ash? Just on the limited little bit of vision we've seen between exiting Roland Garros and fronting up tomorrow. Well, I think, firstly, having that quarantine period where you were stuck in the house for a few days and not able to do anything after Paris, that, that was very helpful. Um, I spoke to, I suppose, a team about a week and a half ago. I had last week off, so I haven't uh, been in touch since then. But they were you know, optimistic that all would be okay at the time, you know, once we, once we got to Wimbledon. Um, I think with her results, she does come to hand pretty quickly in terms of finding form. And this year, I think, has shown that she, you know, returned and won a title in the first week in Melbourne, tailed off in that quarterfinal, but, you know, won that event straight up. Mm. Gets to the US about four weeks later, wins Miami. You know, basically, basically defends that 2019 title, you know, first up. So that, I think, is, uh, you know, positive. She's shown she's very capable. I think Ash at her best is absolutely uh, the woman to beat. I think she's so consistent that she will certainly put herself through to that second round if she's fully fit. Mm. And I don't mind the draw necessarily. I think that's, you know, as long, I mean, great story with Carla Suarez-Navarro and hopefully yeah. her health holds for 
yep. for many, many, many decades to come, and she's been a tremendous servant. But I think Ash, given where Carla is uh, at her career, this stage of her career, I think it's probably not a bad starting point. And then you know you roll on Conta having the the COVID issue, obviously, so she's out of that third round. Who was a I think a potential third round opponent. It it's, was. Yep. It's not. I don't. You know, if she's fit. I think she certainly, uh, and I, and I think it may have doused some expectations as well because we don't know. So there's not the, you know, if she wins Roland Garros and goes into the Wimbledon. Well, the expectations two years ago surrounding her were mm. huge. Yep, and, and and almost it seemed like she was fatigued by the time she got to that second week. It had been a, a massive roll through. So I think it's a little different this time around. Isn't it funny at the time when she won the French and then we thought it was just going to keep rolling, and then you know she runs into Alison Risk in the fourth round. I think it was then on court two. Out the back there at uh, Wimbledon, and it came undone. And it, it told us that, gee, these are hard to win Grand Slams. No, no, apart from the freakishness of Serena in the last twenty years, and you know, Sharapova's had to work so hard to win hers, and Kerber's jumped up and won three, and now Naomi winning her four in the space of three years. But gee, um, you know, there's been a lot of one-off winners, Jono. They're hard to win Slams, and a lot of them mightn't ever get their chance again, including Barbara Krejcikova. It's a great moment at the French, and whether she's ever going to get to that pointy end of a Slam again, I mean, you just got to take them when they come. You do, and I think with um, Ash, it, it's going to get down just to probably how the body is, because this is one that really is there for the taking for her, I think, you know, because you've just got not quite that same amount of depth throughout the field. And Ash, I think, has just got the supreme grass court game. So it, it, it really sets up well for her. But obviously, as you say, but you know, it all it all has to go right. And, um, you know, she's obviously still managing the the body. But, uh, gee, I, it's going to be interesting, though, too, also to see Serena again, for the same reasons I'm saying on um, on Ash. It's it's pretty open for Serena as well. And this yep. is the, this is the one for her, make yeah. no mistake. Well, so we'll see. We've been saying it for a while, haven't I we? know, I know, I know. <laughs> Come yeah. on. I want to see her at least equal Margaret's uh, record. I think she certainly deserves that. We need to slip in a break. We've got plenty to pull apart. Uh, Wimbledon, I don't know when we're going to get underway. There's a bit of misty rain that I can see on my monitor uh, here. So not even the nets are up on the outside courts uh, at the moment. So a delayed start for the opening day. John Millman was due to kick it off uh, right on 8 o'clock our time against uh, Bautista Agut, but that's uh, going to be delayed for a little while. Uh, love you to give us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or keep your thoughts coming through on the text 0433 our Wimbledon edition of the First Serve. This is the Wimbledon Championships edition of the First Serve, your home of tennis. Thanks to First Serve Tennis Sunscreen, a sunscreen designed specifically for tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au. And GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. Now I feel a little more uh, prestigious. I feel like I'm at SW19. Rain is still falling. It's just that annoying, light, sort of misty rain. Annoying rain, Walshy. Having grown up in Ballarat, I've got to say that it's probably the closest thing a London summer to a Ballarat winter. No, that's not quite true. London London in summer can be very beautiful and very warm, but uh, it's not uncommon to get uh, drizzling rain. But no. they've been getting away with it for the last few years. It's actually, as soon mm. as they put that roof on, yeah. they had so little rain, but now yeah. it looks like this week's a pretty ugly forecast from what I've seen. So John Millman uh, just tucked away... Uh, just twiddling his thumbs at the moment, doing a few uh, extra stretches, and uh, we'll uh, see how long it takes the players to get out on court. Just one of the texts that's come through, and we'll take a look at the Aussies and, and, and how you see them, the 13, combined across the fortnight. Good to see Alan Perez in the singles draw. Is she a chance in her first match uh, from Zach? Well, she takes on a fellow uh, qualifier, Clara Berelli, uh, the French girl, but her, her qualifying form while she last week was superb. Oh, and It's outstanding to see Alan doing so well. Obviously she, not obviously, but she made her Grand Slam debut going back a few years ago at the US Open, got the wild card in. I think, um, you know, had a really nice college career. Has become a very, very, very accomplished doubles player. To perform like she did last week, I think I think it's really encouraging at 25 or so, 25, 26, to see her doing so well. Yeah, and what I like about her is she she's embracing the whole mm. um, being on tour again, like she's Tweeting like Follow crazy on social or, media, you know, it's good value. Yeah, but it's all good stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, her and Astra Sharma, I, what I like about both of them, they both went through college and now they're playing. The, the, mm. It was like that was their apprenticeship. And now they, so they get being on the tour, they get being away, they get everything else. And I think they embrace the life and um, appreciate it. And the results are showing. And I also think the fact that, you know, she's having some success in doubles is giving her the, the experience of being through a tournament through a week. 
and and you might start to see that translate into into singles as well. Work for Ash Barty, she got yep. through to you know multiple doubles finals, won a U.S. Open, then comes back and wins the singles. So mm. it, it can work that way, I think. Yeah, we love watching the lefties. There's something about them; they're pretty dynamic. Uh, swing big, and she's uh, she's a good ball striker, and uh, obviously having a, a pretty good doubles. Uh, uh, run a bit like Seville and Purcell has got a doubles ranking up to a really good level where she can play uh, the bigger tournaments. So on the menu uh, tonight, Milman v Bautista are good. So it's 5-0 and in favour of the Spaniard. Uh, we know that Johnny's had a patchy sort of year, the one quarter final in Munich, his sixth Wimbledon uh, main draw appearance. I think back to the days while she, when he was struggling to get through qualifying and remember that first time that he qualified, he'd done the hard yards and you know, he developed a little bit later into his 20s, but now he's become, you know, a permanent fixture. Made the third round uh, a couple of times, but uh, the Spaniard, he's he's tough. He's tough to play. Semi-final two years ago, a bit like, um, well, look, we put Nadal in another category, but like Carino Busta, you know, can play on any surface. Uh, it's been as high as nine in the world. He's put together a pretty good uh, resume. Oh, an outstanding resume. Like, I think they've had two real battles at Grand Slam, Grand Slam level. One in uh, one in Melbourne, probably three years ago, I think, where it went to five, and and John was only a couple of points away from winning that one. Another one in Paris, I think, uh, where it went to four, but again, it was a really sort of tight affair. Uh, look, classy player. I understand the courts are playing a little dead from what people are sort of reporting. They're not not too quick, and we know that they've got slower and slower. So, look, it doesn't necessarily affect Batista a good. Clearly, he's uh, shown himself more than capable of uh, excelling on grass by making a semi final there. It's a brutal first round for Melman, really. I mean, Batusta are good, just years in this higher um, mm. echelon of players and actually does play well on the grass. He hits it pretty flat both sides, and I think that helps him. Had his best grand slam here, actually, as, as, as BP said, you know, semis a couple of years ago. Tough one. Uh, indeed. Uh, Chris O'Connell. You know, I'd love to see Chris O'Connell while she just have a 6-1, 6-2, 6-3. And he plays some brutal matches, doesn't he? And look, we think back... A year ago, and here he's in the wilderness, hardly earning a, a quid from tennis. He's travelling to the far back blocks of everywhere, gets his ranking down, wins about 80-odd matches. And then last year, well, everyone found it really tough and trying to consolidate, not lose ground. And now the hardest bit to take the next step of getting inside that top 100, and he's, and he's sort of close. So he wins through qualifying. He's got Monfils, who we know is not travelling that well the last 12 months. And we've seen his disillusionment with tennis, the bubble, the the whole COVID situation. And we know he can be flaky. You can get him on a day when, you know, Gail's not uh, uh, not firing on all cylinders. Is there a chance for O'Connell, even though the pedigree of Monfils is obviously a lot higher than what he's achieved in the game? Well, I think he only needs to look back at what happened a week ago with uh, Max Purcell to suggest that he's going to take some confidence in knowing that Purcell managed mm. to beat Gail. I think... Yep. That's got to be a confidence booster. We know that Monfils at his best is an outstanding player. Clearly, you know, among the top 10 players in the world when he's on and firing and you know, you've seen him do some remarkable things. He's a Grand Slam semi-finalist as well. So if he's firing, very tough ask. But we do know that Chris is particularly tough. We know he's match-hardened and he gets through. Yeah. You know, played five-setter again last week. <laughs> he played that, that, that just getting edged in Paris a, you know, a few weeks back He'll certainly give it his all. And look, he's playing with house money now too, isn't he? Like once you get, like we said earlier, you get through that Roehampton brick wall because that's what it is. Mm. And, and, he, and he, now he's in there. And I think he benefits a lot from, he played, uh, there was Medvedev at US Open last year and a big show court. He's done enough now in bigger matches to sort of not to be too daunted. He, and, and look, I, I give him a huge chance in this one. Mm. Mark Polman's also qualified last week. We're going to hear from Mark before we close in the next hour. He spoke to Josh Gablich after qualifying on uh, the weekend. Boy, oh boy, he earned his spot uh, while she, and we'd love to see him go to the next level because he works as hard as anyone to be the best version of himself. And he's trying to add those elements that can take him above uh, the players in front of him, the margins are um, you know pretty small. He's at 154. Yang Sun Lu's hardly played any tennis. We know he had, of course, the uh, the shoulder surgery. It's derailed him uh, for the best part of two or three years, using the protected ranking. Um, how do you see that one faring? Uh, once again, you'd love to see Mark have a uh, sort of an easier day at the office, but he is built for these long battles, and uh, that could be one that goes the journey if the players get out on court tonight. Oh, look, I, I, I like him in this one. I, I think um, provided he holds his nerve, and, and I haven't seen any indication from Mark that 
I know he's, he's lost a couple of tough five setters at Grand Slam level before, but he, he doesn't go away easily. Um, I know he's he's had some results for a little up and down through the year, but you're going to have that if you're trying to take or mm. add something to your game. It yep. doesn't necessarily come straight away. You will have some tougher losses, and I think it's admirable that he's doing that, not content to be someone that's between 100 and 150. He wants to be mm. in the top 100 and playing these things every single time. But I think he's a good chance. Yep. And it's one of the best draws. Yeah. I mean, look, really, uh, Jensen Liu hasn't played a heck of a lot at all. I think he's really capitalising on this protected ranking. Oh. And uh, Mark's just going to be so ridiculously hungry. I, 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 I pen him in on this one. All right. That's good. I like the confidence. Ku Yong will be watching. The Ku Yong family. <laughs> <a> permanent spot. <laughs> Come on, Mark. Let's uh, let's get it done uh, tonight as uh, another uh, qualifier. Of course, um, Sam Stozer. I mean, there's probably no. Not, not mean this with any great disrespect at all, uh, Walsh. There's probably no expectation on Sam right now. Thirty-seven. We don't know when the end is coming. She still wants to play. Um, she still likes the game. Wants to tour. Obviously, having a baby last year has changed her life a bit. Um, there's no real form line here. She only played a couple of games coming back in the last two weeks. And Shelby Rogers, we know, is pretty decent. Uh, normally she runs into Ash Barty more often than not, so she gets another Aussie and inside the top 50. So it appears that just the way Sam's sort of travelling at the moment, that that one's going to be a tough, a tough, tough match to win. Oh, no, I think that's probably a fair assessment. Um, we know that Sam probably would have liked to have got across earlier, but yeah. it just was basically impossible for, for players to go for the entire year unless you're fully committed and... As a mother, you can't necessarily afford to take that long away. Mm. Um, and Shelby Rogers has weapons. Yep. You know, we we saw her test Ash a couple of times uh, this year already, and, and and another player who really wants to succeed. I think she's worked really hard. So, I very much a tough one for. Her. Yep, Sam. I think so. Yeah, Sam. Zero pressure, really, because mm. I think she's happy to be there. Um, always puzzled me with Sam that she didn't do better on the grass. I thought she'd have a, a better singles career at Wimbledon. Um, maybe, uh, you know, but she'll, she'll go out there and play freely, that's for sure. So, uh, yep. you know, she knows how to play on grass. Yeah, third round three times. 17th appearance for Sam Stozer. We'll see her a little bit uh, later on. We'll take a break, come back. Uh, we'll analyse the demon. 48-hour uh, turnaround. He's going to take on Seb Corder. And some interesting comments from uh, Pat Rafter at re Nick Kyrgios. I'll bring that to you next on The First Serve. This is the Wimbledon Championships edition of The First Serve, your home of tennis. Thanks to First Serve Tennis Sunscreen, a sunscreen designed specifically for tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. Welcome back to the first serve. We're hearing uh, no play before 9 o'clock uh, our time, Eastern time. So uh, we're still looking at some vision of the All England Lawn Tennis Club and the umbrellas are up. It's that misty fine rain. The nets aren't even up on the outside courts. We know that uh, centre court doesn't start till about 10.30 our time tonight. Uh, number one court uh, starts obviously later than the uh, outside courts. So the courts do look absolutely magnificent. Peter Johnston, Courtney Walsh in the studio with me, as we uh, sort of just scan our way through the Aussies, a few other talking points. Let's just uh, round out day one uh, with Alex Dimonor. It's the perfect build-up. Semi at Queens, wins Eastbourne, eight of his last ten on the grass, beaten some good scalps. Um, like all our Aussie men, you know, they're, they're built with the right stuff. I mean, they work pretty hard and they earn their victories. Um, but it's it's a great build-up that he's had. You hope he hasn't spent all these petrol tickets uh, while she, and he's got a front up, what, around about 48 hours after beating... Uh, Sonny go to play Sebastian Corder, who's uh, one of the young guns who's emerging outside the top 100 start of the year, 50 in the world. We know the genes of the Corder family in golf. They're excelling tennis, his father, and who knows where the ceiling is for Seb Corder. World number one sister now after her victory in the uh, <laughs> LPGA today. Uh, world number two father and former Australian Open winner. Right. We're hoping uh, that doesn't inspire him. Uh, sister about, ra- another sister ranked about five going to the Olympics. The mum was ranked 26, I think, and uh, an Olympian. So Seb's up to 50. Yep. Finals at Delray Beach. He won a clay court title last week. I think Andy Roddick described him as, in no uncertain terms, he is the best American prospect in a long, mm. long time. Mm. But he is coming up against a player who I think is playing extremely well, was very tough, and I like the fact he's been able to get through some tough moments in matches, including in that final, to go through to, to leading into a Grand Slam, I, I don't think he's. I don't think a three setter will overly stress him. No. Um, 
heading into it. It's, it's certainly not an easy draw, but I, I do think Alex is capable. And I think at Wimbledon in the past, he's shown himself that he likes playing there. I know he got Rafa who who gave him a yep. whip him in the third round a couple of years ago. But but he's you know he's making quarters, he's making round of sixteens. So I think he'll be okay. Yeah, for me, Dumener is the one when you're in the the draw rooms, you just don't want to draw him because no. you know it's just going to be a, a fight to the death. But I think Grass also does really suit him. I, I, I think what's underrated in his game is his returns. Yep. His returners serve, to me, like he, he gets so many back. He just finds a way to get them back, which is his whole style. But I, I feel like he can have a – look, this is tricky, no no question with uh, with Corder and um, – but I think he gets through it, and I, I just when I had a look at the draw, it, it looked pretty darn open for him, and he he's, he's not scared of anyone, no. and uh, I give him I think he can have a good Wimbledon. Yeah, and good to see while she um, the numbers better on his second serve and, and points one off that, and that's obviously been something he's been chipping away at. Uh, obviously, wants to get as high a first serve percentage as he possibly can, but he needs that second serve to have uh, a bit of bite on it, so that he's um, you know he's not conceding those points easily to the good returners. No doubt. And look, we know he, he's not the tallest man around. Uh, I know my uh, my colleague uh, in Sydney took a shot at his serve today, but uh, I feel like it's gotten better and I think it will continue to improve. But, it, we, but we know it's never going to be a great the great weapon that other players have. So he's got a game that's built around that. Yeah, but but also he gets more off the grass. Yes, yeah, so this it is, stays this is, lower. That's what I think. It, it suits him so well because yeah. he returns well, but he actually gets more off his serve. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. He's going to be up to it. Uh, Renabit, well, 2 a.m., it is scheduled, but who knows how this day one's going to pan out. So we know that tennis doesn't operate by uh, any sort of normal clock in sport. It's, uh, it's when the weather allows and when the matches uh, finish. And who knows uh, what is going to unfold on day one, but we hope to see him in the early hours of the morning. Nick Kyrgios on a hit-and-run mission. Departed last Wednesday. just want to play a little grab of Pat Rafter. Speaking with Adam Gilchrist on Gillian Goss on SENWA on Friday and his thoughts in regard to uh, Nick Kyrgios. I don't think we could be any two polar opposites between Nick and I with the way we play, the talent that we had, and then also the success that we had, how we see life. So I would like to say that we have nothing in common whatsoever. And that's the way it is playing out right now. So for for Nick, like I like the competition. I wanted to push myself and I wanted to see how good I could be. Nick's different. Nick has all the talent in the world. He had a lot more talent than what I ever had. And he has the ability to, well, not the ability... (laughs) He actually hates competing. Whether or not he wants to admit that, um, I don't really care. But it, it comes through pretty loud and clear that he likes playing exhibition-style tennis. He's a showboat, and he is brilliant at it. Um, and, and, and But what a player and what a talent. You know, he can do shots that I've never seen before. Um, and he, to me, if he had the mindset of someone like Rafael Nadal, he's got 10 grand slams in his back pocket. But for me, as I said, and I would have made that comment, am I a two grand slam wonder or a four grand slam sort of player. I would have said that after I'd won two Grand Slams because at no stage did I ever believe I was going to win one. I was trying to win one and I wanted to win one, but I didn't know if I ever was going to win one. And so on curiosity, a very interesting approach to Wimbledon, exactly the way you described, almost renegade flying in to London for a pretty quick turnaround given it's next week. Can he win a tournament? Even Izovic was a wild card when he took you down. Yeah, completely different. Goran was playing every week and he, he was, you know, he, he had runs on the board. He'd made three Grand Slam finals before, and he was playing week in, week out. This is a cop-out for me from Nick. He's going in the day before. It's no pressure. So he's going to go out there to play and have no expectations. And if he loses the first round, he goes, yeah, so be it. I only flew in yesterday. I'm playing tomorrow. You know, that's, that's, to me, that's a cop-out. The guy's too good for that. He's a great player. He should be over there preparing. Although, it's like, well, why go? I, I don't understand that. Go and compete and play or go there and show up and, and stuff around. But he'll go there and probably cause some damage. The guy is that good. It's, it's freaky. But it's disappointing to me that he flies in a couple of days before. That's just not, that's not competing. So that is Pat Rafter. He's always honest. Uh, Pat, we know when he's asked a question, he'll give you a, a pretty honest answer. Probably no love lost. We we know sort of where it goes back to when um, you know Pat was Davis Cup captain and he struggles with uh, Bernie and Nick. Uh, well, she just listening to that and then just the thoughts on, on Nick and obviously he, I think he wanted certainly to play a lead-in and he was either going to play Stuttgart or Mallorca, but had the neck issue, has gone over late. Uh, we think the Olympic team is going to be announced tomorrow is what I'm 
hearing and that he'll be in the green and gold is uh, the indications I'm getting. But what do you what do you what's your take on Pat Rafter's thoughts? Oh no, well look, I mean Pat did try to get the best out of him at Davis Cup level, and I think that was clearly a, a source of frustration that that consistent best wasn't there. And this was at a time when Nick was really on the rise, and they did have issues. I have no issues with uh, Pat saying what he said in terms of uh, his own experiences because you know that Pat worked very hard and he did point to the incredible talent that Nick has and we know that the ethic is an issue. We know that Nick can play some spectacular tennis and has shown that repeatedly. It's just backing it up in majors. It's always been the, mm. the problem and backing it up over five sets and having the body hold up physically and part of the body holding up physically is to do with not necessarily working as hard as what others do yep. off the court. So yep. that's I, I, what Pat has said there. I don't think is anything no. different. And, and I don't begrudge Pat saying that. I, I just hope that we would love to see Nick win one. I'm sure we would love to see Nick winning two, three, four, five, yeah. or six. I don't think anyone's had any doubts there. So right. he he yeah. does have to be back for another reason. He starts losing points mm. from next month. Mm. You know, he's got Washington to defend. He's got so he's been able to hold on in the top sixty or so for the yep. entire break. But he needs to be back playing matches, and I suspect this is a starting point for him. Walshie, I think that you hit a key point on that last one with the um, with the points. This is a big issue because, you, I mean, Nick at 40 or 50 still gets into draws, but Nick at 90 or 100, it's you are playing XOs because you're not getting in, and, and yep. you don't really like to see him playing qualies on the back course because that's not his <laughs> favourite uh, stage either. And um, But look, he... What he always likes to do, I think, is set the table his way. Um, it's we've seen it in the past with the Australian Open, where you know the last couple of years he's sort of it's been about the the bushfire relief and things where he's sort of he's tried to create shape the public mood, and I think he's done this again here um, in terms of as you say he's you know the, he's on vacation, he's flying in, it's uh, and he's he'll certainly cause some. Um, uh, some worries, some headaches. He plays a yep. uh, uh, and who won Halle, yeah. right? So that's a, he's actually a bit unlucky with that draw because yeah. he got a battle hardened guy. <laughs> um, he might get his first Grand Slam with the mixed. Yep, uh, indeed, playing with Venus. That's extraordinary. We'll come back and have a chat about uh, that. But yeah, Umbe, he shot the lights out a couple of weeks ago in Halle. He was fantastic against Rublev in that final. A break. Uh, back with more on the first serve. This is the Wimbledon Championships edition of the first serve, your home of tennis. Thanks to First Serve Tennis Sunscreen, a sunscreen designed specifically for tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. The First Serve uh, Monday night, Wimbledon edition. We haven't got the action though. Covers are on. Dark skies. Crowds are in, that's good. They've been dying to get back to the tennis. It's been great to have Courtney Walsh, Peter Johnson in the studio for this hour. We are going to extend through to 9.30. We'll hear from Mark Polmans. We'll hear from uh, Ash Barty as well. And also uh, Paul Vassallo from uh, Tennis Australia because uh, the juniors have been up at KDV Sport, although that's been derailed the team's championships over the last 24 hours. Uh, gentlemen, I need you to look into the crystal ball and give me a tip. Go out and live on the men's. Come on, Walshy. <laughs> yeah, guy called uh, <laughs> Novak, I think, is probably the man to beat. Uh, and the women's Barty with the asterisks. Or asterisk and Petra give you different from the other side okay. of the draw. I think uh, that might be would be nice final. to see Petra win another major. I reckon mm. whatever it is um, for me, Novak has just uh, I just can't go past him. No. Women, I'll go. I'll, I think I've still got a question mark on Ash, and I'll go for Angie Kerber. Angie Kerber. I just feel like she's been struggling, but she knows how to win this thing, and she won last week. I was watching a few highlights of her uh, her forehand in her prime a couple of years ago. Well, she when she gets down that crouch position and just crunches it. And when she's when she's won majors in the past, she's often performed very well either the week before or two weeks before. Mm. Yeah. So I think she's on track to play Serena. Yep. Third round. Serena doesn't like playing her there. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Is there? Is there um, we've got about a minute here. Is there a dark horse? Is there someone? That might come from the clouds a little. How deep do you think Federer is going to go? Well, okay, hand on heart. I mean, we want the fairy tale, don't we? I mean, he, he's got the draw where he could certainly get to quarters. Mm. And, I mean, he played three good matches at the French. So there's still some tennis left in Roger and the grass he loves. I think if you can work into the tournament, the second week could be a different ball oh, no. yeah, game. For, for me, I, I'm a bit like this too. In the bottom half, like, say, uh, Medvedev's second seed. Yep. 
standing 45 feet behind the baseline. Yeah. Roger knows how to play those yeah. guys on grass. I, I think he's going to have a good Wimbledon. We hope so. We hope so. We want another great moment from uh, one of the greatest of all time. Thank you, Pete. Thank you, uh, Walshie. We'll uh, catch you across the fortnight. We've got plenty more to come after the break. We'll hear from Mark Polman, Sash Barty, and uh, we'll continue to look ahead to day one of the championships. The championships, commonly known simply as Wimbledon, the oldest tennis tournament in the world and widely regarded as the most prestigious. It's been held at the All England Club in Wimbledon, London since 1877 and is played on outdoor grass courts since 2009 with a retractable roof over centre court and since 2019 over number one court. Wimbledon is the only major still played on grass, the traditional tennis playing surface and quite simply it's great to have it back. Sorely missed this time a year ago. Bring you some breaking news and it is not unexpected and it is that uh, Wimbledon is now cancelled. Wimbledon board have issued a statement basically saying that they've decided that the uh, Championships uh, 2020 will be cancelled, so not postponed. They're not even bothering to push it back. It's going to be cancelled due to public health concerns, clearly the uh, coronavirus epidemic. And they say the uh, next championships, the 134th championships, will instead be staged next year, uh, 2021. So not a postponement, a cancellation. The first cancellation of the tournament since World War II. What will the next fortnight bring? A win for men's world number one Novak Djokovic would tie him on 20 majors with his two champion rivals Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. Can the grass of SW19 inspire Roger to one more moment of greatness? Serena goes again in her quest to equal Margaret Court's all-time singles record. Can our very own Ash Barty find her best after not the ideal builder? Will there be some names come out of the clouds that we can't predict right now? Strawberries and cream? A glass of Pims, tradition plenty. So many memorable moments on court and home of the longest match in tennis history back in 2010 between John Isner and Nicholas Mahou. Isner, he's heads to two. It is over. A sporting embrace between these two fantastic combatants. Because at last, at long, long last, we have a winner. Played the greatest match ever and the greatest place to play tennis. The guy is an absolute warrior. To be able to, you know, share this day with him was an absolute honor. That match is still one of the most talked about matches in tennis history. How did they do it? 70-68. It was a superhuman effort of uh, physicality and mentally so draining. 70-68 to in a final set over three days. Incredible. Tonight... The action begins from the most famous postcode in tennis, SW19. The first serve, your home of tennis, would love to be live on the ground. But thanks to First Serve Tennis Sunscreen, a sunscreen designed specifically for tennis, at sunblessedsunscreens.com.au and GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. Let's start from our SEN Melbourne studios. It's the Championships with Brett Phillips. And we're just waiting for play to begin. But while it does uh, take a little while to get in on court on day one, it's great that on the monitor to my left, I'm watching back to 2019, the men's singles final. It was an epic between Federer and Djokovic. And just to think back, Roger had two match points at the age of 37, which uh, would have been one of the great victories. And I remember sitting in the box uh, that day on uh, centre court. It was uh, it was as tense as you'd ever be at a sporting contest. And then down the road, you had England and New Zealand playing one of the greatest cricket matches we've ever seen in a World Cup final. It went down to uh, the last ball. And, um, yeah, I don't know if I want to watch the last bit where Roger uh, misses a couple that he uh, should have. But our extended version of the first serve uh, tonight for the next uh, 25 minutes or so. We're going to hear from Mark Polmans in just a moment. He's hopefully going to take to the court a little bit later on, but I can tell you the covers are on. John Millman was supposed to start his match uh, about an hour ago. One of five Australians, along with Chris O'Connell, Sam Stozer, Alex Demonor in the early hours of tomorrow morning will take on uh, Sebastian Corder. Novak Djokovic, well, the roof will be closed if it needs to be. That's the good part about centre court and the number one court now at uh, Wimbledon. After all the renovations, that we can still get some play if the heavens do open. And Novak Djokovic is the defending champion 
will kickstart proceedings against uh, a young Brit in Jack Draper. It was only about three weeks ago that he took down one of the hottest young prospects in the game in Yannick Sinner. Going to be a tough assignment, though, to bring down the Joker. He is the short price favourite, absolutely, to win his 20th major and tie Rafael Nadal and also uh, Roger Federer. Mark Polman's. Uh, it's hard not to be a fan of Mark. We've interviewed him a number of times. He's qualified for his maiden draw at SW19. You've got to work hard a few Ks down the road at Roehampton. Josh Gablich, part of our team. We'll get back to Josh very soon, but did catch up with uh, Mark after winning through to the Wimbledon first round. Mark, thanks for your time. Take us inside this week. You must be absolutely pumped to be in the main draw at the All England Club next week. Yeah, th- thank you, Josh. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm quite pumped, you know, to get through yesterday's, you know, epic battle. Um, you know, uh, every time I play five sets, I seem to go all the way, all the, you know, I play all five sets. So, so I was just happy I, I was able to come through it. Um, and yeah, to have a shot now in the main draw at, at Wimbledon, it's, it's it's an awesome opportunity. Yeah, you touched on that third round of qualifying because you breezed through the first round and the second round. But yesterday went for five sets. It went for nearly four hours, I think. Take us inside that match because it went to eleven nine in the deciding set. It was an epic <laughs> encounter in qualifying. It's just yeah. amazing that that's the way you qualified for Wimbledon for the first time. Yeah, I mean it was a back and forth sort of match, you know. I had a great start and, and took the first set and and he battled back. Um and I won the third set in the tie break. So, you know, it could have gone either way at that stage, but um, you know, he, he did well to fight and, and take it to a five setter. Um, but I just think it was I had a slight advantage, you know, serving first and the fifth because, you know, I was always ahead of the scoreboard and and eventually, you know, I knew the, the pressure would become you know, quite a lot, especially, you know, getting to nine all, 10 all. Um, so, yeah, I'm just happy I was able to break eventually, um, just in time before the, you know, the match tie break happened at 12 all. So, so um, yeah, definitely a, a cool way to, to qualify for my, my first Wimbledon, definitely. Mm. You spent a lot of time at the Kuyong Lawn Tennis Club and a lot of Australians grow up watching Wimbledon on TV late at night and dreaming about pl- playing at Wimbledon. Were you one of those kids that grew up dreaming about playing on Wimbledon? Oh, I think I think all young kids, you know, we we you know we've we've grown up watching you know Federer and Rafa have all these epic battles at Wimbledon. Um, so it's always been you know it's it's the only slam I've, I haven't played in the main draw off. So it was definitely something I really wanted to achieve. Um, and you know to be in the singles main draw amongst all the other you know best players in the world. Um, and I think there's nine nine Aussies in the main draw mm. this year, so it's it's a good achievement for for the Aussie tennis, definitely. Mm. Let's talk about your preparation now. You you fell in the third round of qualifying at Roland Garros and headed to Nottingham, and played a couple of tournaments there. What's your preparation been like on grass? Because as we know, it's a condensed season given the delay of Roland Garros. It's really come around really quickly. Yeah, it was it was a quick turnaround after after Paris. You know, I went to hard court for a few days. In Valencia, and then went straight to Nottingham when they, when they allowed the players to arrive, um, and you know I had had two, you know I lost first round of, the, of both challenges and, and close matches, um, but I just feel that that was always going to be great prep for Wimbledon, um, you know having two good weeks on grass and, and practicing a lot on it, so I feel like that that paid off um, at, at at the qualifying at Wimbledon, um, but you know it's such a short season, so you got to you got to enjoy it. Tony comes around for three, three and a bit weeks. So unfortunately this is the last event on grass for me this year, but um, you know, it's, it's going to be a good one at least. <laughs> Let's talk about next week. Now your first round opponent is a man that's been around for a very long time. He's a 37 year old from Chinese Taipei. He's won more titles on the challenger tour than anyone. He reached the quarterfinals at Wimbledon back in 2010. You've never played against Yen Sun Lu. How do you prepare for someone that you've never played against and, and how are you feeling leading into your first round match? Yeah, um, you know, Lou, he's been around a very long time and he's been in the top 100 for a very long time too. So he's one of these guys who, you know, he knows his game. He knows he knows how to win. So it's going to be a good challenge. Um, but, um, you know, he hasn't been playing a lot this year. He's just been picking and choosing a few of the big events. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I've got a lot of matches under my belt and, I'll definitely have more under my belt than him. So, so I'll be, you know, looking to, to, you know, do my best and, and try to extend the match and make it physical and, and see, and see how things go. 
Well, there's no doubt Mark Polmans will uh, make it physical. The man conducting that interview is live on the ground for us at uh, SW19. Unfortunately, no play. Josh, as I welcome you back to our coverage, we've got the monitors on here, the covers are on. Uh, what, are you, what are you hearing and, and how, we, I mean, it's hard to tell through our monitor here, but is it just that fine sort of misty rain, Josh, that annoying rain? Oh, Brett, it's just drizzle. It's not even, <laughs> not you know, interrupting anyone's start to the day. Everyone's still out and about. There's no, there's barely any umbrellas out as well. It's just one of those really light, persistent yep. drizzle that isn't quite going away. The official word is that play won't start until at least 12.30 and okay. seems that's probably uh, a little bit ambitious now. So we're probably another hour away from getting away. I just spoke to one of the, one of the grounds and then and I'm not sure if you can see on the monitors, but all the covers and... yeah. They use, it's almost like a, 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 a jumping castle. It you know, is. the jumping castle <laughs> to blow the air, <laughs> air in. And they, they do that to keep the rain from setting on the court. So it's not so much to, uh, to blow onto, onto the grass and keep that dry, but it's quite fascinating the sort of technology they're using here. But you know, a bit of an anti-climax this morning because I think a lot of people are really excited given the way the UK has been tracking in terms of capacity. We've got 50% here today, and there's a lot of people in here now. You and I spoke couple of hours ago and it was just sort of trickling in and I think people are just slowly coming in because of the uh, the weather but as I said it's not not proper rain it's only drizzle so hopefully it can clear and we can get these matches underway. Uh, that'd be nice uh, just before I let go we played a little bit of your Mark Polman's interview and of course the full version is up on our website and our social so check out thefirstserve.com.au and right across Facebook, Twitter and Instagram uh, Josh is on the ground for us at Wimbledon across the next fortnight delivering uh, plenty of content uh, by the hour but he's uh, he's a good young guy isn't he he's, uh, he's got an appetite for hard work uh, Josh and it'd be lovely if that could carry over into a first round victory I really enjoyed my conversation with him, especially he knew the excitement. He's, he's qualified for the first time, and he did it the long way in qualifying, and obviously won 11-9 in a fifth set of the third round of qualifying. It's a pretty remarkable way to qualify for the All England Club. I think like a lot of people, and I asked him about dreaming about playing at Wimbledon, I think a lot of Australians grow up really dreaming about playing at Wimbledon, and he's, he's no different to a lot of kids that grew up watching Wimbledon late at night. Mm in those winter nights in Melbourne. So, yeah, you could hear the excitement. I mean, it's, it's a pretty special place as I'm only just experiencing. I've been here for a couple of hours now, but you and I have been watching this tournament for many, many years, and it's, yep. it is really glorious. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him on court, hopefully later today, but if things get shuffled back, we may not see him until tomorrow. But he's got a great opportunity to, to get through the first round. He's got a, a wily old veteran yep. in uh, Henson Lu, who's 37 years old, but he's been around for a very long time, been in the top 100 for a very, very long time. Mm. But Mark has played a lot of tennis this year compared to Lou, who has barely played at all. I think he's only played five or six matches. So hopefully we'll see him a little bit deeper into this tournament and, and can really sort of uh, launch his time here at Wimbledon. But yeah, I'm really excited by him. I have been for a while. Indeed. Uh, love to see him crack double figures. There's a few Aussies in that category. There's O'Connell, there's Bolt. There's a lot with a lot of talent that we want to see get to double figures at some point. Um, Brett on the text, watching Wimbledon is like taking me back to my childhood and the prestige of the old suburban footy grounds. Poor analogy, but it's incredibly nostalgic and just that bit more special. Yeah, I mean, look, if you, even if you don't love tennis, just get there one day when you're next head to uh, London. Make sure you time it and get to SW19. Thank you, Josh. We're going to get a break in, but we're going to catch you right throughout the evening on our website and our socials, and uh, you'll uh, bring us uh, right inside the tournament across the next fortnight. This is the Wimbledon Championships edition of the First Serve, your home of tennis. Thanks to First Serve Tennis Sunscreen, a sunscreen designed specifically for tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au. And GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. Welcome back to the first serve. There is uh, no play as we speak. Uh, rain delay. We're supposed to start an hour ago. Covers are on. Gloomy dark clouds so nothing to report from Wimbledon at the moment just to finish off a little closer to home more than 150 of the best junior tennis players from Australia and New Zealand arrived on the Gold Coast late last week to compete in the 2021 Australian Teams Championships uh, of course at KDV Sport which is a brilliant facility opposite uh, Metricon Stadium well we know that COVID 
uh, prevented that from being fully completed yesterday. The under-11s, 13s, 15s are set to get underway this week. Earlier today, I caught up with uh, Director of Talent at Tennis Australia, Paul Vassalo, to take us inside the team's championships. New South Wales played the first day and then unfortunately their state went back into a lockdown so they, they had to get taken out. So once they left on the on the Saturday, we, we thought everything was going well and, and teams were going and you get that team's environment. We hadn't done it for so long. The last team event, I think, was back in 2019. So especially when you do it at KDV, you said it's a, it is a great facility. When you're doing a team's event at, at KDV and you have all the courts right up against each other and you've got coaches on the court and you have, you've you got real atmosphere. You've got kids all crowd around and, and parents and it was loud. At Sometimes it was, it, was, it was loud and it was exciting and we went to the back end of the day and the situation just started to unfold through the media. We start to hear snippets that someone might be closing down and there's going to be restrictions and all sorts of stuff and then we get to the end of the day and, and next thing you know, yeah, we are. We've got parents and, and, um, and kids and coaches that, that need to return home at ASAP to uh, try to get out of a situation where they're going to be stuck in another state and and just total uncertainty. So that's where we got to. You know, we get to six o'clock on uh, on Sunday, and unfortunately, yeah, the the event got postponed for now. Who knows? Maybe it reuse it later in the year. Um, okay. But with COVID, everything changes so quick. Absolutely. So you had the under 11s, under 13s competing, and then it was going to be, I think, the under 15s uh, starting a little bit later this week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it would have been semi-final day today um, up at KDV there on the Gold Coast. And, and finals tomorrow with a day break in between and the 15s. Yeah, the 15s would have kicked off on, on Thursday and be done by Sunday. So, yeah, the decision was made just with so much uncertainty. And we always started what started with uncertainty turned into certainty where we, we knew that people were not going to be allowed back in their state without quarantine. So, uh, unfortunately, as I said here, yeah, we, we say postponed for now because you, you'd be nice to think we can come back and finish off and give them an op- another opportunity to complete this event. But there's a bit of a wait and see there. So tell us a bit about the team's championships, how that works uh, compared to some of the other um, big events you're having uh, this year and, and how players are sort of selected, if you like. Yeah, so it is. So it's, 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 every state is selected. It's, they, they take three players. Some states take four, um, but the majority of teams that we have three. So the age was 11s, 13s. And again, as you said, 15s will start a bit later on. But um, in some states, you know, the uh, the MA is involved in choosing the team and, and supporting the team and, and getting them to where it, where it is. And this time it's at KDV and was when it was held last time also. But so when we go through that process, it's um, it's UTR based and as I said the top three kids in the team. And it's quite unique. You know, you think about every other tournament during the year, there's, you know, coaches that go along and support their kids and parents are always there, of course. But with this one, it's a bit like the Billie Jean King Cup and, and, the, and the Davis Cup. And there's you know, a coach on the side of the court for the duration of the matches, which is great. Like our whole team, the National Development um, Squad team, we're all up there for the week. And fortunate enough, too, that we can have some private coaches come along to support uh, the teams also. So that's what we're doing. It, it's, it's an amazing event. You know, it's uh, it's good for kids. It'd be nice to, to do it more often, to have coaching on court with kids because you do see some very good attitudes. You see mm. some kids that can can fight back or or continue their win just on the fact they've got someone in their corner who's able to give them the advice. You know, we all know what happens in footy and soccer. The the advice from the coach can be immediate. In tennis, it's after the win or after the loss. But this is a chance to to, to help kids out, even just mentally and emotionally, um, not just with the actual, you know, often that is the big turning point in the game for these kids. And that's an event like that. That's what we get to provide. So that's the uniqueness of it. And it's been a while since we got to do it last time. Again, hope we get to revisit it again this year, but um, otherwise, back again next. Of the competition that was played, uh, Paul, uh, what were some of the maybe little standout uh, moments or some names you might be able to mention? Obviously, we're following a lot of you know, young juniors who are progressing. Um, Talia Kikena, she joined us on the first seven number of weeks ago, one of the best well-spoken 12-year-olds yeah. I've ever had. I didn't even have to ask a question. And I know yeah. her and her dad, Sam, were up at uh, KDV the last uh, few days, but tell us about some of the action that unfolded. Yeah, watch Talia. Yeah, no, I heard on, the, on your show a few weeks ago. She's great. If you need a co-host one day, she'll be to jump on for sure. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, she was great. She, again, watching uh, uh, Talia on the court next to her, was the Vic team and and Kaharu uh, Coco from Victoria, who who she beat in the final there at uh, Canberra. They were both very good players. Um, you know, two of the two of the standouts, not the the two, but definitely two of the standouts in that in that girls' age group. Um, a few of the boys too. You know, Jake Dembo from from WA, very good. Obviously, Cruz was there, a boy from Victoria who who took out Cruz. Uh, on on day one, there, there's some really good talent coming through. And again, I just think with the coaches on court, it, it just it's already a good level of play. Like what we saw at Canberra was very good, but with someone in their in their corner for the duration of the match, it was it was tighter again. The lapses in in concentration are, are definitely less, and the standard plays get to held the whole way through. A lot of good kids, like you know, again the 15s. Next, we, it was going to be up to you know having Charlie Camus and, and, and yep. kids like that around. We unfortunately don't get to see them run around again, but 
we, we do have a lot of talent there at that younger age group. We just need to now hopefully find a way throughout COVID where we keep on providing opportunity events for them and, and not just go, well, it's too hard now, which we'd never say that. And it's not. We, we've got events that are coming up. There's Perth uh, grass courts still planned for, for October and, and Showdown should be going ahead in, in, uh, in December. So a lot to look forward to with these kids. We've had some ITF junior events uh, this year. There's more schedule, but in the times we're in, I mean, you're going to try and deliver as much tennis as you possibly can, but it, it makes it tricky, doesn't it? Just the uncertainty of uh, the period we're in with this whole uh, COVID situation. Yeah, it, look, it is tricky and it's disappointing when things get, get postponed or cancelled like happened uh, yesterday. But yeah, with the ITF, it's full intention to go ahead with them and keep on planning. We, we're not going to sit down and say it's too hard. If we do that, we might as well give up and go home. But yeah, we, we'll keep on planning and going ahead with events that are all scheduled until we get told by governments that we can't. As simple as that. Next week, we're meant to be on and we're planning on that route now and there's meetings going around that and there's always contingency plans. But for right now, yeah, with everything that's in the schedule, hopefully we get to fulfil that schedule. Um, and there's a few other things that will pop up in the meantime as well as additions for players, whether it be tournaments and camps throughout the end of the year as well. Okay, so that's uh, Paul Vassallo. He's the Director of Talent at Tennis Australia, bringing us up to date with the team's championships at KDV Sport. Unfortunately, not been able to be completed as we speak with uh, all the kids and parents sent home with all the border restrictions and uh, COVID implications from the weekend. Uh, Roddy, uh, BP, any news on why Piers is split with Michael Venus? John Piers, that is. Notice he's playing doubles with Tomo. I don't know the official reason, but since the French Open, he's played, what, two events, John Piers, one with Riley Opelka, one with JP Smith. The Olympic team is due to be announced uh, for Australia tomorrow, of which uh, no doubt Demonor and Kyrgios will be in there. And I think they can name a couple of doubles pairings. So I think this might have something to do with Tokyo in regard to uh, John Piers, um, you know, certainly uh, playing with a couple of the Australians the last uh, few weeks. But I'll keep an eye on that and we'll dig a little deeper. Uh, follow us at thefirstserve.com.au, all our socials. Catch all the action on Nine and Stand Sport. Hopefully we'll get some action at Wimbledon. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.